Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this bonus, Tales from Outer Space. I decided to post this video as a thank you for a tip I received from a very generous viewer that I received last night. There will still be the normal Tales from Space that we released later today. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And thank you again for the tip. Any and all support for the channel, whether it be monetary or otherwise, is very much appreciated. Enjoy. Story number one. The most terrifying sound in the galaxy. Written by Almalaxis Grace. The most terrifying sound that I've ever heard. An old salt was sitting at a table with his comrades, retired soldiers sharing their stories. A constant across the galaxy, and presumably beyond. Well, let me tell you a story, lads. You know that I've been a few scrapes in my time. The others nodded. My first time in, and my Klakoa opened, of course, the Praxidia. We'd already more or less won the war with them, but there was mopping up to do while the defeats bombed down and a few last core holdouts. Centex was pretty certain that the showdown with the Dana was happening soon, so they wanted to use the opportunity to get our screens a little bloodied before that went down. And despite my terror on the dropper when they rode down some of my dry-as-frick praxy outposts with like ten inbred idiots and four million goats, I came through it okay. I did get some blood. And as fricking stupid as they usually are, the Sheks and the Bross decided to give us a little combat experience because the Anna are real bastards to fight. Those Shekstan cat people are, um, one-on-one, -on -one, probably the best fighters the galaxy has. A murmur of respectful agreement around the table. But we had numbers, tech, and discipline. I came through a little worse for wear, but I came through it. He gestured to his missing sensory stalk on the side of his head. Of course, near the end of the war, the Kerim decided to take their shot, thinking that we were weakened and that they can at least snipe some border worlds. You want to talk about the sounds that make your colloquia open? Kerim fighters are high in the list. I know that we're at peace now, but uh, communicating by playing your own wings is fricked up, and they can make some bizarre noises thanks to it. You fought them too, Meb, you know what I mean. The individual named Med nodded gravely. The song that they play when they're swearing to avenge their dead, that is the least most unsettling sound that I've ever heard. And their, um, uh, war cry, I guess. Their war cry is a scary sound when you're in a trench with a flight of a hundred thousand of the bastards above you. Glad all of that crap's only for rituals and not daily use. The Kerim weren't wrong in their calculation, though. We were beaten to hell and back by the Dana, and we'd only won that one supreme effort. So they were able to push through a lot of space, and then we met the humans. We'd heard about them already, of course, but this was the first formal meeting, and they apparently weren't too pleased with the idea that we were stabbing in the back whilst fighting another war. In fact, they were majorly freaking ripshit pissed, Humans have this deep-seated sense of justice and fairness. They don't all adhere to it, and they don't always live up to their ideals, sure. But a sneak attack against someone that you've got treaties with. Humans basically take happening that to anyone anywhere in the galaxy as a personal insult. They decided that they're going to help us out, and so uh, help came in. Supplies and volunteers. I was on rate when I first saw anything human-made. 
as their weapons were all primitive but reliable enough. They did a surprisingly good line in food and the volunteers. Well, look, here's the thing about humans. They're pretty average physically, a little on the weak side, a little harder to kill than us, totally lacking in any sort of dexterity. Good eyes, granted, but they're always willing to make up deficiencies with any kind of enhancement they can grab. But they've got one thing that no other race has, not like I've seen. They've got endurance. When the 44th Martians deployed next to us on the right, we didn't really take notice. Best case, we figured that some shots would find them instead of us. They did okay at the time, won some respect from us at it, but they weren't changing the game. Then, the Shek's damned massive Karim fleet arrived overhead and started pounding the crap out of us. I'm talking full-on Armageddon code bombardment. Then, they sent the ground forces in. Friendly fleets soon arrived and stepped most of the bombing, but for the whole front was lost. We were in complete disarray and had all to fall back. And it was hard going, pushing an hour extra before dawn of the after-attack to gain a little on the Karim. I'd not seen the humans for several days, and I cursed them for cowards. Then I reached the war base Perry and saw something that changed my mind quickly. In the week of daily marching that had taken us to get there, the 44th had marched there, scouted the location, secured it, and built a fully functioning base where we could patch up our wounded and have a little bit of a proper rest. Until I saw their company badges, I thought it was a different human unit completely. They don't work twice as fast or twice as hard as we do. They just last twice as long. Way more than that, actually. Even after we arrive and needed days to recover, and until they did, the 44th manned the walls, held the line, led the sorties and recon and rescue missions. All goes right back to the start of their evolution. They learned to use tools used the same as anyone, and use that for hunting the same as anyone. But when all else failed, they hunted by walking. I'm not crapping you. They see something they want to kill, and they will walk after it. For days. Until that thing collapses from exhaustion, and they can kill it with their leisure. So, they kept their line steady until we were back in shape ourselves. And let me tell you, our opinions went from, These guys are okay, I guess, to... Holy shecks, they're like superheroes or something. How do they even do that? In a real hurry. Heaven help you if anyone tries to outlast a human in a fight. I've never seen the sheer determination like that, and I don't think that they could be beaten like that even if you scourge their home system clean of life. The most terrifying thing that I've ever heard, though, isn't the Karen Wing song. It isn't the Dana roar as it pounces. It isn't even the rumbunctiousness of a human squaddy going into combat with a grim acknowledgement of orders after they've been days without sleep and still do their job. None of that is remotely unsettling complete to this. After the war, when the Karen Praxinus convinced their queens to ask for peace, the humans held back our want for revenge. You all remember, it was a huge issue. We were grateful as crap, but how would they dare tell us what we could do like that? Anna demanded revenge, but the humans sat us down and around the table for a big talk. And in those weeks, they won the friendship of the Karim as surely as that one thousand in the war. We got concessions, sure, but the humans wanted to know how they could help the Karim recover. I asked a human comrade later why they had been so merciful, why they had sought to make friends of the Karim, who had slaughtered with such abandon. 
He explained that they had no real liking for war, as incompetent at it as they were. They didn't have a way to exterminate the Karim, and anyway, that was a horrifying idea to him, and would only make more enemies in the long run. So, that only left one option, that he said was quoting some old revered leader, one of the greatest I'm told, from before they even left their homeworld when he said, Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And that is the most terrifying thing I've ever heard. Because they succeeded. We all get along now. I saw a couple of Kerim in the street on my way here and nobody cared. I didn't even care and I fought the buggers for years. I just thought, that one's carapace is unusual shade of green. That's kind of neat. And they probably thought nothing more consequential about me. Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? How the hell could anyone stop a people who lived by that code? End of story. Story number two. Somewhere in the outer realm of the galaxy. Written by Anti-Damage. Somewhere in the outer realm of the galaxy. An impossibly massive craft slips through the darkness at ridiculous speeds. Sparse atoms annihilate against its surface and rare cosmic particles pass straight through. Course subtly altered. Inside dwell just two lifeforms, both of whom are currently engaged in a conversation regarding their work. You're crapping me, said Zerturti. I can't believe in myself, the virtual intelligence purred, its tone entirely at odds with the information that it was relaying. Last time we came through this sector, we were barely capable of striking rocks. I've processed the original data from the sector observation drone through the quantum substrate simulations enough to almost exhaust the pocket entropy. Not a single instance game came close to this level of development that they've actually achieved. Did the, um, they have help? Extertis focused on began the search of its archived memories for more hints before giving up and mentally delegating the task to the habitat supplementary processing unit. You're telling me that they went from a primitive rock stackers to space-bearing technology in a fraction of the galactic rotation within my own lifetime. They must have had help. Three rock stackers and no, 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 check one rechecked. Their development is consistent with a pure and unassailed step-by-step process into space, although their utilization of the level of technology they possess is without precedent. I'm sorry? They have a notable implementations of services that we ourselves did not develop until much later stage in our society. Of particular interest is the networked information publishing system. The collection drone was forced to quarantine an appreciable amount of its personality after it ingested it. Despite being quarantined in a sub-personality, it has been rattling in its cage and sending short, random, clear text messages via the system load pulses. The last one read, L-O-L. The mental pollution aside, their space efforts have yielded a level of mastery that I have never seen documented. Today, they landed rockets. Well, their space-bearing exterity twisted his spectacles in thought. I assume that after they go out, they come back. You must understand, I'm being literal, they landed three rockets in reverse. Classic tubular configuration with chemical reactor for propulsion. It goes up, breaks into pieces and comes back down. But instead of crashing, theirs comes back down and lands itself on its end. Show me. Holy crap, that, that thing land... No, 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 those those things landed. All, all three of them. It, it, is it made of rocks? 
No, to put this into context, we can also do this, but we didn't because by the time we could, we had broken into quantum space and in so doing developed a field trial traversal of virtual intelligence to pilot it. That represents a level of engineering precision that is not considered possible for real space life to accomplish alone. Certainly not at this stage of their development. They are understandably quite excited about it themselves. Can't stop watching it. How long have they been going into space? 2.91304347826087E-7 GR. That's like... That's yesterday. When did they develop flight? About twice that, the motorized locomotion in a similar time frame before that, their rate of advancement is bewildering. It's a joke. I don't want to put this on the records. The galaxy is going to crap itself. Are they a threat here? Perhaps, but it is being managed. As I understand it, the quarantined subpersonality of the collection drones has been interacting with them through their information networks. Due to the adaptations to the initial corruption, it has begun writing fictional accounts of their frankly impressive bravery and rapid development that features actual galactic species and publishing them. They have been quite popular, which is quite fortunate, because if they continue like this, they'll make first contact within 30 planetary orbits. Please tell me they're not going to be hostile. The simulations are unfortunately of no help. The remaining drone personalities suggest that we should receive them in a welcoming but cautious fashion. They have a whole genres of entertainment devoted to kicking the entire galaxy's ass and first Simon of resistance to their growth. However, if they are believed that they are warmly accepted alliance that benefits their technological and cultural development while crushing our enemies on our behalf. Do you believe them? Yes. Oh, there's a new message from the drone subpersonality. It says, um, HFY. Nonsensical garbage. I'll instruct the drone to purge it as soon as it regains the operational privileges of the lost subpersonality. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.